0: Welcome to the Grow My Revenue Business Cast with Ian Altman. Unconventional strategies for selling, innovation, and leadership. Ian interviews some of the brightest minds who share proven methods to help you achieve success and grow revenue with integrity. Every episode concludes with a quick recap of actionable steps you can take to deliver tangible, immediate results for your business. Now, here's your host, Ian Altman. Hey, it's Ian Altman. On this episode, it's all about sales. I'm going to be addressing the three big questions that I've been hearing lately and give you tactics on how to address them. The three big things we're going to talk about is first, qualification, and kind of that notion of when you see something that's important, but your client still isn't making a decision. The second thing we're going to talk about is I'm going to address this question, which is how do I create urgency on the part of my client? And finally, I'm going to give you some tactics on how to deal in competitive situations with some simple questions to ask to ascertain your competitive position. So, first, let's talk about this idea of lead qualification. So, I was speaking at an event recently in the Midwest, and the head of sales for this organization pops up and says, Look, what do I do? Because I know this is a really big deal for this client of mine, and I know that we could save them a lot of money, but they're still not making a decision, they're still delaying things. And so I asked him, I said, well, how important is this for them to address? And he said, well, I mean, we could save them $2 million a year, so it's got to be important. Here's the big message that I want you to get out of this. It doesn't matter what you think is important, all that matters is what your client feels is important. And so to that end, what became clear was that this head of sales was putting his own emotions into it rather than pulling out the emotions from his customer. So I said to him, I said, well, okay, so if this is going to save him this much money and you're telling me this is so important for them, then why do you think they're not doing it? And he said, well, I guess what it comes down to is that our product really works when the customer is high volume. And these guys have had some attrition in their sector right now, so they're not doing that much volume. So when the market is slow, they probably won't see that much return. And I said, well, so then why is this a really high priority for them right now? And there was this dead silence. And he realized, he said, well, I guess it's not, but, but it should be because when the market turns around, and I said, look, when they see the market turn around, that's when they're going to call you. But right now, what you're doing is you're basically saying, hey, I want this deal to happen, so it must be important to the client. And you start believing your own lies. And we need to change that dynamic. So we need to really tap into what's important to that client. And then sometimes we might have to say to them, look, my sense is that, Unless the market picks up, you're not going to get a return on this investment. Is that right? And the client will say, yeah, that's true. Okay. Then when do you think you'd have initial indicators of the markets turning? Because my guess is by the time the market already has turned, if we implement this, you're going to leave a lot of money on the table, right? The client will say, yeah, it's probably true. Okay, great. So what are those indicators we should look for? And then you just check in to see when those conditions actually have happened. Otherwise, you're trying to push a deal because you want to make the sale, but it's actually not in your client's best interest. So in the end, I asked this person, I said, so let me ask you this. If your client made the purchase today based on the current market conditions, what's the likelihood that they're going to see the ROI that they need to see in order to justify this purchase? And he said, well, if the market turns around, they wouldn't. But if it does, then they will. I said, great. Then you need to have that conversation with the customer so they understand where you're at. So when it comes to qualifying, we need to make sure that it's important in their mind, not just in our minds. Unless, of course, you're willing to pay for it, in which case then you can be excited about it. You can buy it for them. But that's more of a gift than a sale. This ties to another question I've been hearing a lot lately, which is, how do I create urgency on the part of my client? Man, I want to sell them this stuff, and how do I create urgency? So here it is. You can't. You cannot create or fabricate urgency for your client. You can, however, ask questions that might help them become aware of conditions that could create urgency. So, for example, I'll often talk to companies who sell regulatory compliance services. So it might be that they offer environmental consulting or some other type of regulatory consulting. And they'll say, well, look, I mean, you know, our stuff, if the EPA were to investigate them, these guys could be shut down. And I'll say, well, what's the likelihood of the EPA investigating them? The response I always get is, oh, it's pretty high. And then I'll say, okay, of the 100 companies who are doing what the, what this client is doing, how many of them will be audited in the next two years? And usually what I get back is, well, probably only like three or four. But if it's But if it's them, it could be big trouble. Well, guess what? That means they get a 97% chance that it's not going to happen. So they may not feel that sense of urgency. Now, some of them the risk may be too great, so it's not worth it to do that. It's kind of like an audit for the Internal Revenue Service. Most of us know we're not going to be audited, but we know that if we were and we did something wrong, it would be really bad. So we don't take undue risks. I don't know, some of you right now are listening, saying, well, i take some risks. But you know what? Most of us feel that the, you know, it's a risk-reward thing. Now, what they could say is they could say, look, I, you know, if, and it always has to be factual. You can't make stuff up. But if you notice that, let's say, the EPA is starting to do more investigations in that area, you could say, look, you know, last year, I know that the EPA only investigated 3% of the companies. And this year, they've said they're going to do 9% of the companies. What do you think it'll be next year? And your client will probably say, well, it's probably going to be more than 9%. Okay. So some of our clients tell us that the risk of being shut down is so great that they can't afford it. So they often have to proactively make sure they're in compliance so that if they ever are audited, that they pass and everything's okay. Now your client is in a position to either say, yeah, that's a good point. We need to do this. Or no, we're willing to take the risk because it's not an absolute thing. You know, if all of a sudden your heart stops, then guess what? You're going to do whatever it takes for your heart to not stop, or better yet, the people around you and care and who care about you are going to do what it takes. So when someone's having a heart attack, they're usually not reluctant to go get treatment. However, when they have a little indigestion and they're not sure, a lot of people don't get treatment because they assume it's something else and it's going to pass. It's the same thing in a business context. So you want to look for symptoms and then see if your customer believes that they have a condition that requires treating. Remember, the key to qualification and the key to urgency is letting your customer convince you that whatever it is they're looking at is important enough to make it worth your time to help them find a solution. And if they can't, then don't waste your time trying to build a solution for somebody who can't convince you their problem is worth solving. So now I wanna talk about competition, because this is something that came up and really comes up every single week. People ask me a question about, oh, I'm in this competitive situation. How do I handle this? So let me give you two different scenarios. So one was a um, an organization that I was helping where they thought that they were definitely going to win this one project. And the customer kind of went back to them and said, look, um, you know, I'm a big advocate of yours, but the other people on the selection committee really prefer this other vendor. And the other vendor is really selling this client a Bill of Goods, and they're kind of slimy, and they're not really interested in whether or not the customer gets a good outcome. They're just trying to make a sale, and it's a three-year contract. So once the client's locked in, they're locked in for a long time. And so the organization I'm working with, the CEO drafted a note, and the initial note basically said, well, here's what this other company is doing. And so you need to be careful because, you know, they may be selling you a bill of goods. You can never, ever talk trash about the competition because even if it's accurate, even if it's accurate, it's going to sound like sour grapes. It's going to sound like the spoiled kid who didn't get what he wanted. And that's not a position you can be in. So even though you think it might come across differently, trust me, you're just going to sound like someone who's bitter. So what can you do instead? Well, the way we structure the response is as follows. We basically said, look, in our discussions with you, here were the things that you told us were really important. And we buy into your mission and we buy into what you're trying to accomplish. And you know what? Your mission is too important to get it wrong. And no matter who you select, here are the things that you shared with us that we know are important. And here are the types of questions you may wanna ask us or any other vendor to ensure that you don't get locked into an agreement that doesn't meet your needs. And oh, by the way, I know that all of us extend a three-year contract in this situation, We are so confident that what we're going to deliver is of extraordinary value that here's what we're willing to do. The cost of moving all of your systems to our systems will far exceed what we'll earn in the first six months. But here's what we're willing to do. If you're not thrilled with what we're doing for you in the first six months, you can cancel with no recourse. And if at the end of six months, you're confident that, yes, this was the right decision, then we'll move forward together. And at that point, we'll put in a three-year agreement. So what we did was we took the risk out and we showed our client that we were actually more interested in their outcome and results than just us making the sale. We told them, even if you don't pick us, please, please make sure that these other things are addressed. Because we know that our industry Has a tendency to sell one thing and deliver something else. And that's really unfortunate. And we wanna make sure that you don't get caught in the middle of that. So that's the first part of this discussion about competition. You can never talk trash about the competition. And instead, what we can do is we can have a discussion with them about what things they should be looking for and the questions they should ask to make sure that whether it's us or anyone else, that they get the results they're looking for. And to demonstrate good faith there, we can show them that look, we'll assume some risk because we're that confident in how we can deliver for you. And it really demonstrates a strong position that says, "Man, we're so good at what we do that we can put our money where our mouth is." The last part I want you to talk I want to talk to you about when it comes to competition is the following. Very often you may come into a situation where there already is an existing vendor. And People struggle with this, but what often happens is as a salesperson, you end up getting the customer to talk about price first. And the way it happens, which makes no sense, but I understand why people do it, is you'll ask them, oh, so you're using this other vendor right now, really? Well, hey, we'd love to have a shot at it. Maybe we can save you some money. And now you've just told the client that the most important thing to them is price. And it's not. It's not. In fact, it's never about price. Price matters most when the seller believes that price matters most. So what can we do instead? Well, let's say that you are selling IT services. You're selling, you're selling technology services. And you walk into somebody and, and you know they have an existing vendor supporting their needs. So if I asked them, well, tell me about your current vendor, they're going to say, well, yeah, you're just trying to pick them apart. So instead, approach it this way. Hey, I realize you've been dealing with with another vendor at this point. I don't even need to know who it is. We always like to get the sense of where maybe we're dropping the ball, the things that we should be doing that we're not doing as well as other people are. Could you tell me some of the things you really like about your current vendor? And then let them share with you the things they like. And don't just let them off the hook with one or two. So they might say, oh, they have good technical people and they're responsive, Okay, what else do you like about them? What else really stands out? Oh, you know, the sales rep is really a great guy. And, um, you know, their people are pretty friendly. I mean, you know, our company likes them. Now that we've gotten all the information they like, what we're going to ask them is the following. So if you could change one or two things about them, what would those be? And pay close attention because now what they're going to share with you is the things that their current vendor doesn't do that they wish they did. If you've paid attention, you will now have a list of the things that they like and the things that they wish the other vendor would change, but they're only going to give you the list of things that are important to them. So let's say they said, well, you know what? They're just not very proactive. So you say, well, why would that matter? Well, the reason why this proactive part hurts us is that they're great at fixing stuff after it breaks. It's just they don't seem to be proactive to make sure stuff doesn't break to begin with. So then you might ask them, well, so how often does that come up? Oh, probably once or twice a week. Hmm. And when that happens once or twice a week, how does that impact your business? And they might say to you, oh, well, you know, when the systems are down, we lose billable time. You might ask more questions about that to uncover how much it's costing them. And then you get to ask the following. Is the potential of working with an organization who is more proactive, who will catch things before they fall into that pattern and before they fall into disrepair, worth a conversation about how we might be able to help. So the formula again is this. First, we're going to ask them, what do you like? But we always put it in the context of, we'd like to see what other people are doing that maybe we're not. Then once I get that, after I draw that out, I say, if you could change one or two things, what would those be? I then ask clarifying questions to see how important those issues are. And if they are important, then I say to them, is the potential of addressing that issue worth a conversation about how we might be able to help? It's a very disarming notion because you're not saying, oh, we're the perfect fit. You're not saying, oh, my stuff's better than someone else's. You're actually taking an honest assessment of what's going on. Here's the trick, though. What if they tell you, here's all the things I like, and when you say, what would you change? They got nothing. And then you say to them, oh, well, so there's nothing they would change. Maybe there are a couple things that you offer that you know other people don't. So you say, you know, some of our clients tell us that they wish that their vendor did this and that. How about you? And the client says, you know, those are interesting, but we don't really need those capabilities. At that point, what you're hearing is a customer who says, I like my current vendor. There's nothing I would change. So just wish them well and say, you know what? I'm very happy for you that you're being well-served by your current vendor. And if one of my clients was approached, they'd probably say the same thing. And I wouldn't expect them to change either. But if it's okay, what I'd love to do is just follow up with you in four or six months just to see if anything new is going on or see if there's anything new we're offering that might be of value. And my guess is we'll end up in the same position where we are right now, where there's no reason for you to change from your current provider. If your client is satisfied and doesn't identify any areas for improvement, they're not gonna change, so don't waste your time. So remember, here is kind of a quick recap of what we talked about in this episode. First, we talked about this notion of lead qualification, but really understanding that what matters is, are you talking about what's in your customer's mind, not just what's on your mind? The second thing is this idea of urgency. We need to make sure that we're focusing on things that are important to your customer. You can't create urgency. All you can do is create awareness around why something might be important to your customer. So, Don't impose urgency. Don't think you can force urgency. It just doesn't happen. At best, you can look for symptoms that might be an indicator of a condition that your client feels is worth treating. But just because it's important to you doesn't mean it's important to them. And then finally, in the area of competition, there's two things to really understand. The first is you can never, ever talk trash about the competition And the second part is that when it comes to a competitive situation, first ask questions that talk about, in essence, what do you like about your current provider? Man, where are we dropping the ball that other people do amazing things on? Then you ask if you could change one or two things, what would those be? And now we can have a discussion about is the potential of addressing those worth the conversation about how we can help? Remember, this show gets its input and direction from you, the listener. If there's a topic that you'd love for me to cover, if there's a question you want me to answer, if there's a guest you think I should have on the show, just drop me an email directly at ian.altman at growmyrevenue.com. Have an amazing week, add value, and grow revenue in a way everybody can embrace, even your customer. Thank you for joining us each week for the Grow My Revenue Business Cast with Ian Altman. Unconventional strategies for selling, innovation and leadership be sure to subscribe to our program on itunes or stitcher don't miss ian's weekly newsletter and be a part of the conversation on growmyrevenue.com and via twitter at growmyrevenue